0: Hello everybody, welcome to another in our series of podcasts at Trek No Babble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. And today we are going to podcast CODA, the episode from Season 3. Um, it's kind of a death fantasy episode, uh, written by Jerry Taylor, so I think it will be fun and interesting, at least for me, uh, to sort of identify the elements that mirror jerry taylor's series of voyager novels which were sort of like story bibles character bibles um you know and i don't know uh i've always liked this one it'll be interesting to see how much i like it
1: yeah i, re- I think i remember watching this and uh, just f- f- figuring that it was cribbed largely from mosaic a lot of the details mm-hmm. felt taken directly from that story
0: which is a good thing because uh i thought both Mosaic and Pathways, um, you know, did a whale of a job, uh, fleshing out characters that I already liked, but giving them, you know, coherent uh, and and very believable and uh, dramatically effective backgrounds. Um, so, you know, the, the more is the better, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, so I think Kevin and I are ready here. Yep. You should also get ready at home, and we will all press play from the beginning of this episode. In three, two, one, press play. So it's not a captain's log. It seems like a fair number of episodes have started with Neelix kind of like cornering the captain in a hallway, you know, and I don't mind that. I like that they've really built their relationship um you know of course they sort of really pushed it to the limit in fair trade Uh, but i think it showed and of course in macrocosm too uh, neelix and janeway were paired up um i i like the direction they've gone with neelix you know instead of being this creepy sort of child molester which was what he sort of was for two whole seasons with Kess. Um, I, I don't know. It's like they've channeled his annoying features into a sort of comically satisfying, uh, relationship. It's uh, certainly
1: better than it was. Um, I think by this point, um, part of the reason I didn't enjoy fair trade was I still did not like Neelix. Um, yeah. but, uh, I get what you're saying. Um, I like this little dialogue here of uh, J- Janeway doing uh, a piece from uh, the Swan Lake. And uh, I think it would have been funny as hell to actually see it, but hearing it described... <laughs> that is... might
0: have been going too far. I mean, I-, I know what you're saying, and I think it's a great character detail. Uh, and I think... this is This is very good dialogue. I like the William Tell sort of thing, too you know because the way they joke about it feels really natural yeah Uh, anyway as far as Janeway goes you know they've done a really good job of making her human and identifiably female but not having her uh you know her womanhood be her defining feature instead you know she's just like a well-rounded human being with interests and and desires and passions and you know a basic emotional tone that's not a function of her being a woman you know she's not a nurturer she's not a caregiver but she's also not like a bull dyke butch feminist or something you know second wave like i can be everything a man can be you know it's like they've done a really great job of just, this is uh, shuttlecraft Sacagawea, by the way, um, of making her feel really real and really balanced, you know? And so I, I would be hesitant to include a literal showing of her Swan Lake routine <laughs> because will, it just might undercut that. But
1: I, I will say there's, a, I, I do like, especially in, like the scene like this, uh, there's an ease to her captaincy that I that I do like um and, and it's it's a good scene for Chakotay too. I think uh, whenever they give him something really human to do it tends to go well for the character and the actor. So, you know, Well, her- I
0: think Robert Beltran does well in like you say human scenes as opposed to sci-fi scenes. Like you kind of feel him mentally checking out Whenever there's any techno babble. Yeah. Kinda of like his uh, scene with uh
1: Balana and the shuttle in uh uh Futures End. Kinda of that same thing. When the yeah. when the scene called for actual character interaction, he was pretty good. Yeah.
0: Talking about your past, talking about your feelings. He does a really good job with that stuff. Um he just doesn't in some ways he doesn't inhabit the world as well as someone like Kate Mulger, you know. And we know from interviews with her that she's, you know, really thinking like, what the fuck does all this crap mean? You yeah. know, like she just doesn't care about the babble, but
1: I, I did you can't la- tell. Speaking of technobabble, I did like the phrase ion lightning. I, I would like to see the lightning that is not ions. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like more ion <laughs> than regular lightning. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they could have said plasma. Who knows? They could have come up with a you know gibberish term like Verderon lightning or something.
1: See, so this is the kind so, of analysis I mean, you get here at, Techno, at uh, Trechno Bevel. We are pedantic as fuck.
0: <laughs> you know, so this is a Janeway episode, so it's good that we're talking about Janeway. Um, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind if every episode were a Janeway episode at this point. Like she's that rich a character. Like I'm just my mom really disliked Janeway and that's always kinda of baffled me, you know. And I, I maybe it was because she's a woman of a certain age and there are just certain female archetypes that rub her the wrong way or something. I just feel like Janeway is such a good, solid, strong character that it's impossible not to like her. I don't know. I don't see her as having the negatives, you know, speaking politically as, as like a Hillary might, you know, like Hillary rubs people the wrong way. And maybe it's because sometimes you get the sense that there's a second wave feminist in there, you know, like judging you, making you feel like you're, you are you know, not as good an egalitarian as she is or something. But with Janeway, it, I just respect her. You know, I respect the character. Um, so here's one of the rare instances of CPR in Star Trek. Uh, Chancellor Gorkon received CPR, of course.
1: Everyone always says that. Breathe, damn it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a very uh, uh, I, know, uh, two like things hospital show trope
1: there are two things here. One, you don't bend the elbows during compressions. And two, this is just one of those scenes where I think the actor would have done a better job with, and the scene been better without dialogue. Um, I think
0: yeah. like, well, really I, it's probably better for you to not be talking while you're doing, uh, compressions and breathing because yeah. you need your breath and to you do to something. Focus. that's yeah. very strenuous.
1: Yeah. I just, uh-huh. it's one of those, like, I think there's a, there's a, uh, the pinnacle of this is always the, no, it's not linear from uh, Emissary. Just There are many times in which less is more, and just letting the panic play across his face would actually have just been more wrenching for me. The descent into, you know, ER trope uh, pulls me out a little.
0: Yeah. It doesn't last very long. No, it's, so. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, what's interesting, knowing what we know about the story, is to try to sort of pick the moment where things... Uh, diverge into fantasy territory we're already there right yeah i assume it was in the shuttle during the ion storm she's doing some pretty savvy technical maneuvers with you know such a serious head wound
1: I also I also like that that's clearly a redressed eyeglass screwdriver.
0: Yeah. I like the fact that she says "by whom." Good grammar (laughs) always pays. So, I mean, this is your pretty prototypical soundstage, uh, you know. Oh, Vadian. I thought we'd move beyond their space. Yeah, we did too. I mean, maybe that's a clue, right? Yeah, that something's wrong. Would the astute viewer take that as a clue, I guess, is the question. You know, I mean, Voyager has, to some degree strived to maintain separation between episodes you know to not have any overarching storylines probably to its detriment and so i mean i guess she has to do the dialogue to say i thought we moved beyond their space but they don't also say oh they're probably here to harvest our organs right yeah
1: I think at this point was when I figured something was wrong,
0: because that's just also... St- She's died twice in the episode. <laughs> and
1: and, and choking's super visceral. It's just not a... It's it's not something Star Trek does very often, you know? It's, it's, it's grim in a way that most Star Trek deaths tend to be a little
0: antiseptic because of yeah. their
1: um, awareness that it's a family show to some extent.
0: So now, you know, this is, of course, to the, you know... Uh, versed Star Trek fan, you know, it's like, wait a minute, are we in cause and effect here? Yeah. Are we, are we redoing that story, because the characters have become aware of the fact that uh, they're in some sort of loop? I guess cause and effect and Times Square, uh, both are versions of what we might think is going on here.
1: Uh, I I appreciate what, that to the extent we're going to do it, they. They cut to the chase faster in yeah, this one. Yeah. I think they in, didn't
0: spend one uh one story break, you know.
1: With her having deja vu. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Kate Mulgrew would have done a great job in cause and effect, but you know that episode's been done.
0: Some pretty decent opticals with the shuttle there.
1: In space it was good and the atmosphere was a little uh Uh, fake looking to me
0: now the Vidian ship looked cool but the optical wasn't great there was a bit of sort of degradation although that looks better maybe it was the fact that they had like blue phaser beams So, yeah, I mean, right now this is like cause and effect in fast motion. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even take a commercial break to get to, you know, the the death. And so you're right. You know, it's like they're going faster with this. Um, We're only at minute 11 and we've had three deaths.
1: I, I can't decide if I'm okay or not with Chakotay visibly being aware of the time loop. I think... Given what we eventually learn about the episode, I think it would have been more interesting if it stuck with just Janeway being aware of it. But well, I'll see how that plays out over the over the episode.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's a part of her fantasy. Yeah, I so guess if she's I, aware, and I,
1: I, 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 I get that, but maybe it was just uh, maybe I thought they could have uh, minded for a little more dramatic tension.
0: Well, what could have been interesting, and you know, so. Sorry, listeners, we're spoiling things a little bit. But since this is some sort of like soul sucking, you know, monster uh, running her through a scenario, what could have been interesting is if the other actors in her scenario actively worked against her, you know, yeah. coming to an understanding of things. Right. So then there could be that creepy element of her not trusting the people that she does trust, uh, which happened with, uh, say, Nagilam right? Yeah. So, I mean, her her fantasy scenario is sort of building things in a way that fits with the sort of Star Trek logic that you and I are well-versed in. So it, it makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, th- that's kind of the question for me. It's like, if you're going to do... fantasy episode with the character actors but not being their real selves you have the opportunity to do different things with them you know uh and the question is whether you do or do not uh did that serve the episode or not you know so it can be really cool say in mirror mirror you know to have the character actors you know be evil versions it can be even cooler perhaps to have them be just slightly off versions where there's this, you know, creepy vibe. Uh, you know, in, um, remember me, what was great about that episode was, you know, the fact that they, they were just slightly off, you know? Yeah. And it, it made the sort of paranoid fantasy that crusher was, uh, locked into, uh, all the more, sort of psychologically distressing for the viewer yeah. like if they're just straight villains that's like okay whatever but if there's just something a little bit off it has that dreamlike quality where you know you should be able to do something but you can't quite do it and it's very important that you do it and yeah. the other thing to look out for in episodes like this is uh whether there are any scenes to take place without the primary fantasy character? Yeah, I suppose uh, the...
1: the bridge crew kept bridge crewing for a moment after she left. But
0: <laughs> I can forgive I can forgive that much as long as there's no dialogue. Yeah, you know, or like knowing glances or something. So I mean, this we're only at minute fifteen, and now she's got the phage. Right? It's like there's kind of a lot going on here, and in reading Memory Alpha. Uh, The way Jerry Taylor described the sort of genesis of this episode was that they had, you know, four or five different story beats like this, you know, and they never really came to fruition, you know, as individual stories. So I'm sure that someone in the writer's room said, what if Janeway got the phage, you know, because of course that would be an interesting story, but maybe they felt they couldn't develop it. uh, But here... In a fantasy episode like this, you can do like a five minute version of some of those story beats, which might sound good as episodes, but maybe couldn't happen for one reason or another. We're going to get to another episode like that with um, before and after, you know, which is sort of a another time displacement kind of yarn. Mm. You know, Robert Picardo does a great job of delivering diagnoses, and by that I mean making it feel real. Yeah. To the viewer, you know, like the way he's delivering it makes it feel very grave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say, um, uh, especially. Maybe had this happened earlier in the series when the phage, meeting the Vidians and contracting the phage would have been at all possible, I might have felt a little more tension with it, but I think between the temporal loops and the bizarrely impossible thing here, I'm kind of like, well, clearly something else is going on.
0: Yeah, you feel like something must have going on. I agree with that. I think they're doing a pretty good job, though, of building the atmosphere. You know, like... Her waking up like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the darkened room.
1: I have never liked uh, late Starfleet medical jammies.
0: <laughs> and of course, here's where things do turn. What's the next step? She's doing a really good job of looking like she has a fatal disease. Yeah, yeah. There's only one humane course of action euthanasia. I mean, it, I feel I feel like this was done effectively, and it kind of makes your hair stand on end a little bit.
1: Yeah, like I, I buy Janeway's performance, and it is interesting and compelling. But obviously, the, by by the time the doctor is like
0: doing this, you're like, well, clearly. Well, I agree that now. You're like something must be wrong, but she's acting it so well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride, but um, I don't know. Overall, I'm getting uh, there's a, I get what they're going for with the rapid story changes, and the um, all of the beats and all of the, you know, twists and things. I can't decide if I'm actually engaging that story as its own story or i'm just enjoying janeway's performance and like I, I even if it's the latter i'm still gonna go along with it um but uh I, i'm not sure like, in cause and effect there was such a beautiful steady gentle arc in the tension and the resolution that i think is lacking here maybe it's the rapid okay. uh cycles maybe it's the kind of almost like dartboard it feels almost like for each cycle they throw a dart, bo- a dart at a dartboard for what Janeway will die of on this one and I'm not it's not gelling for me quite the way I would like
0: that was a reuse of the uh, anti-time anomaly from All Good Things by the way Well, so here at minute 20, things have clearly changed. Yeah. Now she's viewing from a tertiary perspective. And so we're we're, we're being led to believe that this is the real right. sort of version. And now she's having an out-of-body experience, and, and which again, of course raises yeah, uh, very and, strange and, and questions.
1: Ch- Chakotay does a really good job here. Like, uh, I, I buy this
0: yeah i agree
1: like the breakdown is successful and again i think it's you know it's a very human thing it 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 doesn't require any technical um techno babble or anything
0: well and he's doing a lot with just his face and you know his tears yeah Uh, you know this is paying off a lot of sort of you know Teasing, of course, is the best way to put it, that we've gotten as viewers for for their sort of on-again, off-again love for each other. So the episode has shifted to a ghost story. You know, like the, the horror is what if you were a disembodied ghost and nobody could feel you, right? This is like a super tech trek uh, trope. <laughs> oh my well, god! And we're adding intraprovaline into the situation too. Uh, so we've got the who, cortical who, stimulator who, and the Who writes the
1: guidelines for these devices? Given that the normal operating strength has never, ever, ever worked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, it must be being used as a last resort. Like there, there must be like typical uses that go within the normal parameters i I mean i agree you know whatever whatever voltage they're using is uh... but then there is some moment at which they are finally like yep guess this isn't working (laughs) cerebrovascular collapse.
1: they always pick the most random hours to do these like were they really going on an away mission at three in the morning I understand shipboard time, Federation Standard time, all of that, blah, blah, blah. It just always strikes me as like, really?
0: I think one thing that, and this really isn't a comment on this episode, but one thing that they maybe haven't made clear enough is the sort of shift rotation idea. I get the feeling like, a captain and a first officer must work like, at least one and a half shifts maybe yeah. two shifts
1: uh, this also you has know, so a, it, uh, notes of next phase now like,
0: yeah definitely
1: you know it's funny given that Kess just did that it's almost like like every, epi- every next gen episode they're cribbing they're just getting through faster
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> there is something to that So this this is fair within the confines of the episode um, yeah, story, you know. Janeway is still here to witness all of these things, so it's not uh, cheating the viewer, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and um, by, by unfairly making us think that this is the actual plot.
1: And I did they are they still digitally inserting Janeway because it still feels like a little maybe i'm just imagining things but they're like one of those scenes i think she was clearly there and they were just doing a good job of ignoring her but one it looked like she was just being digitally inserted into the into the background
0: well i think whenever she actually physically interacts like she's in that room there yeah like the the shadows were you know falling across her as people walked by and she's there too when you can see the shadows from the lighting on the floor So yeah, I wonder if anybody breaks. I don't think they. I don't feel like they do.
1: I think when Paris walked by, she uh, moved her shoulder to let make way for him. It would
0: make sense for her to move.
1: Yeah, I wonder if he did too. I'd have to go back and watch.
0: So now we're at minute twenty-four, and you're right. I mean, this is like breakneck speed. We're like leaving the plot where they're trying to find her. And we're getting to this, you know, very emotional moment.
1: Yeah. What is it about Admiral's uniforms that causes them to accentuate the worst part of a paunchy old man's body?
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's just admirals. That's the problem.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm saying they did a good job with Admiral Ross. They gave it, you know, like, It's just like, oh, come on.
0: (laughs) So this is mining really interesting territory for Janeway. You know, science and skepticism. And she's being given, uh, you know, this information. Well, yeah, the belt is not helping him. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, she's being given this, you know, sort of line that, well, you know, sorry, (laughs) what you believed is in fact not true. And there is an afterlife and I've been watching you. I mean, that's a really great sci-fi angle to really push on the sort of, I'm not going to call it faith in science because that's not what it is. And it irritates me when people say that, but to push on the sort of certitude that people start to build when Science hangs together and they start to try to discount things that don't fit with science. Um, it, I don't know are you with me on this? I mean uh, like I, I, I like that they went there. Yeah uh... And so this information is from her so it's true right you know? And she says so. <laughs> you know these things.
1: And she's right. Uh, So uh, for anyone who hasn't read Mosaic, if I recall correctly, uh, both her husband, uh, both her fiancé and her father die uh, in an accident testing a new starship. And she tries to save one of them and ends up losing them both. And it's super traumatic. So it was a very, it was a very hard scene to read. Well written, but, you know, wrenching, obviously. Also, uh, this actor is the is the actor who originated Sweeney Todd on Broadway. So uh, he has a great voice, obviously, as a. Yeah.
0: So, you know, the sort of vision of heaven he's proposing is interesting because, of course, it lacks religious features. It's a a different plane of consciousness. So you know this character note for him, it's like you know, okay, take your time, you know. But of course, we know that's not going to last. Yeah. Uh oh
1: oh oh here we. She no, nope, she's room?
0: in. She's in okay. the room. Just wait. Um.
1: what I was going to say. Um, cheated. Yeah, th- this also feels um a bit of a retread, and fairly quickly of um. What was that episode with uh, George Costanza's mother in the archway? What was it? Oh. God, I'm so good with this on DS9 and CNG episode. Sacred Ground. Thank you. I will say, so far, this feels more successful in terms of the, is there things your science can't understand? Because even the way he seems to be packaging it is he's saying, my consciousness continue to exist it exists in a place that your technology cannot detect that's a straightforward statement it doesn't require the abandonment of science as the accurate way to assess the universe it just means there's things i can't detect and that makes sense i you know we couldn't see radio waves for a while there
0: well and i think if we're supposed to accept that a cast or a, a troy has psychic powers that there are there is some explicable means by which these powers propagate and perhaps janeway is you know uh, reduced or changed into uh, whatever those means are whatever particles they're made of or whatever right so i like that Uh, and i like that there's the notion that there is a non-religious but potentially scientific explanation for the notion of consciousness surviving death now, of course, the rug is going to be sort of pulled out from that explanation, which I really like. You know, I like the fact that they don't set up this mechanism and then just sort of say, well, maybe that's what's real. You know, instead, they, you know, and again, we're sort of spoiling the ending here, but they're they're not dropping a concept like that into the episode and then just, you know, Leaving it there, you know, that they're sort of specifically uh, forbidding that concept from being the case, Uh, and I like that. So, as you said before, you know, they are kind of moving at breakneck speed. You know, it's like the, the Janeway father figure had said that they'll start to accept your passing, uh, and Basically, in the very next scene, they've started to accept her passing.
1: It's a good scene, and both actors are acting it well. I would have liked maybe the perception of a longer period of time. Uh, maybe, like, weeks. Yeah. Like also- Well, I mean,
0: I think they do indicate that. Like, you know, the crew is, they don't want to reset their course. And so there's a scene when they do that. And, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, Kate Mulgrew is really, really selling it. Yeah. You know, like we feel for her. If you, I mean, I do anyway. And, of course, everybody wants to be at their own funeral, right? So this, uh, <laughs> this is somewhat of an echo of the next phase. I always kind of wonder about these sorts of scenes though it's like shouldn't there be like 150 people right yeah you know yeah. like lined up like church pews because everybody wants to go to the captain's funeral nonetheless uh, we I, you know I can excuse things like that simply based on budgets and you know the sizes of sets and things um, good scenes. Because, the, I mean, they build character, right? Yeah. Of course, the interesting wrinkle is that this is Janeway's perception of other people's perception of her, right? Yeah. So, although we're not breaking any of the story's rules, it is a little bit of a cheat because it develops relationships to the viewer that aren't really real. In, in the overall drama, it yeah. it's easy for us to forget that this is just Janeway's perception, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, to some degree, Jerry Taylor's having her cake and eating it, too. An aphorism I've never truly understood. I feel like it should be appreciating your cake and eating it, too.
1: I think it's the idea that once you eat the cake, you no longer have cake. So it should be eating your cake and still having it. I think that would. It's kind of funny. What would I want people to say about me at my memorial service? (laughs) I mean, right before they launch me in the torpedo casing, obviously. Um,
0: To know him is to love him.
1: should should i predecease you and you are at my service you are i am i am putting it in my will that please
0: watch the schizoid man (laughs) and try to replicate Uh, what i'm sorry what were you gonna say
1: i I was i was gonna say that i would have i demand that you say that at my funeral should uh should i predecease you at
0: least one person should yeah yeah
1: yeah, in retrospect, this does feel kind of cheap because it feels almost like Janeway's wish fulfillment now instead of like a genuine character moment.
0: Well, but is that so wrong? I it's mean, not
1: inaccurate. Like, I don't think she's imagining that... Uh, she's not imagining them saying something I don't think they would say. But I I agree. Retroactively, it becomes a little weird.
0: It's, it's just weird. I don't think it's cheap. I mean... It's cheap from a writer's perspective. Yeah, that, yeah. Because you're, you're getting the, the emotional heft without really making the characters do it and have it last, Yeah, you know? But I, I think it still makes a certain amount of sense, right? It, it, you know, she's remembering a great moment that she had with Harry, for instance, and it means something to her, and the fact that he would say that during her funeral moves her if you were imagining your funeral and you imagined a loved one recounting something that you kevin yeah see is very important i'm sure that would move you too yeah So, you know, here at minute 35 is when the daddy character starts to turn dark,
1: right?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, if this was really the choice presented to you, you know, you... Are on this journey, you know, that you know is 70 years long. Yeah. Would not would she ever really leave? Like, I feel like a lot of people would stay to see how it turns out.
1: Well, he also Which, has... Which, of course,
0: a... is untenable for the show as a whole, because then you'd have, like, this, you know, invisible Martian character. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, anyway, what were you saying?
1: I was saying he's... Try- I guess I was about to say something, but he's kind of correcting it here. Um, I don't get the impression that deciding now or deciding later is really it, it, it doesn't seem like that binary a choice. Like I, I see he's making the point that watching them but being unable to interact with them is its own form of torture and I certainly would understand that but it Yeah seems I mean like... he's
0: lying when he says that only her decision is what keeps her and she can take her time right? Right. You know now he's pressuring her
1: right which which, which is what nags me it's kind of like Ugh. but i but she's kind of starting to see through like like it's flagging to her that something's off i guess
0: yeah well the way they're physically staging the scene you know she's like trying to get away and he's sort of stopping her you know at each step And now he's getting more uh, agitated. And that's a great line. A captain doesn't abandon ship.
1: Uh, Ah, Corduzine. Is there anything you can't do?
0: (laughs) So now I take it that that is supposed to be reality. Right. it didn't feel like the other is it interesting
1: it's fun watching her suss out the solution too
0: yeah i agree with that i like that she indicates that there is a certain flavor to reality you know like maybe you wouldn't get that flavor when you were stuck in the yeah the halluc- or the the fantasy but then if you had a flash of reality, it would, see, it would feel qualitatively different. It's a very Cartesian sort of uh, thing to say. And so, I, you know, I, I like this scene for her because she's, you know, sort of standing up to this image. You know, the way he was introduced was her saying daddy, which indicates that it's a very potent emotional, right. you know, sort of relationship. But now she's sort of casting off yeah, daddy.
1: Maybe that maybe uh, like I'll save the kind of fuller analysis for the end of the episode but the, I, I think there was an emotional counterpoint that the episode lacked in that you never got there was never any sense that either by force or by coercion or suggestion that she was seriously considering going with, and maybe that could have been the like, I don't know, like, there, there's plenty of episodes where the hero is faced with being able to, you know, lay down their burdens. And they eventually don't because they're heroes and that's what heroes do. But I think the episode would have been a little more interesting and a little more wrenching if the father image here and the sense that she would be, you know, done with the burdens of command was actually something appealing in a way, even if only for a moment. Um. I was I was I I've been rewatching some Buffy the Vampire Slayer recently and uh th- there's a few points where you know given the chance to no longer be the slayer does she go through with it and of course she doesn't because there wouldn't be a show but that's an interesting story to tell like if Janeway's real father showed up and said you can be done you're relieved of the guilt and the responsibility and the burden of getting these people home would you take it and I think you know any human being would briefly consider you know not do it you know doing so I, I i think that could have been an interesting hook for yeah the, uh, i agree for the you know having
0: her actually uh doubt it um i mean so the alien overplays his, his hand yeah. to some degree but i think her line that a captain doesn't abandon ship provides a pretty good explanation of why
1: yeah yeah no yeah, she would, I, yeah I in agree. the same way
0: that kirk yeah. could not be swayed by the spores this, yeah. to leave the enterprise yeah you know she can't be swayed by the notion of, you know, some sort of paradise. You know, one interesting question that always kind of occurs to me when I watch this episode is whether there's any sort of claim being made that these creatures are responsible for near-death experiences Yeah. You know, um, in a larger sense, you know, like in human culture. Yeah. I mean, they exist in the Delta Quadrant, so... It could be that they're entirely local to the Delta Quadrant, but the thought that everybody who has a near-death experience uh, or an eventual death experience—yeah,
1: I, I found—is the...
0: being consumed by these creatures is pretty chilling.
1: Well, I also I did find the conversion of bright white light to apparent flames to be a little on the nose. Oh,
0: it's a little on the nose. I agree. It's you know, it's like hellfire, sure. So, we're back in what we take to be reality. Uh, you know, As far as the denouement of the episode, it'll be interesting to see what effect this has on Janeway long-term, or if they go the route of, uh, you know, does she, like, knock on wood to see if it's real kind of thing.
1: Well, they explicitly state that they detected an alien presence. This wasn't yeah. just a hallucination brought on by the injury.
0: Yeah. some kind of afterlife? Maybe. So it's not where she'd like to spend eternity. I mean, I, I feel like the the idea we got was that she would not be spending eternity there; she would just be nourishing this creature for a while. All right, so I, I like that. It'll take me a long time to work through the emotional impact of the experience, and I would think it wouldn't be just emotional. I would think it would be sort of philosophical or, you know, spiritual, right? Yeah. If I experienced something like that, I, I would have <laughs> severe existential angst for possibly decades. You know. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that each of the near-death experiences we've heard about are the result of an alien habitation? Uh, for Chicote, that's a little hard to believe. Well, see I mean Jerry Taylor is smart she is at least asking and answering some of these questions
1: yeah like I said my my, my two major issues with the episode to the extent that they are major uh, I'm that's overstating it um, is one I, I think in the first half of the episode the constant uh, flipping through the various near-death experiences kind of it, it, it robbed it of some of the emotional build. And I think the alien both internal to the plot and for the sake of the emotional drama would have been better served had the afterlife he'd been offering felt even momentarily genuinely appealing um, on some level.
0: Um, I could see that. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel as though the fact that they used father imagery uh offset to some degree the sort of quick cuts uh between death scenarios uh but i agree with you that you know there probably should have been a harder sell to the viewer not just to janeway to to make us feel like maybe she should choose that right Uh, because then you know the horror of the reveal would be greater for us yeah um overall uh I think each particular scenario worked reasonably well uh, as a dramatic scene. Um, I particularly liked the doctor euthanizing the captain. Mm. (laughs) I thought that was super creepy. Um, And I I liked the eventual sort of uh, captain's debate with the monster at the end. Um, You know, the, the funeral scene... As we both said, might be a little bit of having your cake and eating it too, but it was effective. Um, The overall point of the story, I I feel like there is a good science fictional point here. Like, could there be an explanation for near-death experiences? Uh, Yes, absolutely there could be. Um, Could it be that all are like this? Maybe, probably not. Uh, Could you use it as an interesting vehicle? you know, to, to really run your character through a ringer, yes. So I feel like, you know, they used the Star Trek format to tell an interesting story. Um, Continuity-wise, I like the character building for Janeway, you know, learning about her father, uh, her experiences with the death of a loved one. You know, it it does a good job of sort of not making it that sort of antiseptic, Gene Roddenberry, early TNG view of death, you know, to have the captain mourning for weeks, months, being depressed, you know, it's like, Oh, wait a minute. These are human characters. Yeah. This is great. Right. So I, I like that too. Yeah. Um, you know, overall I'd, i I think the writings a four personally, I, I agree with some of the things that hold it back a bit. Um, but it's at least average. And I think it's above average because, it affords some good scenes and some good some good provocation of thoughts you know like my thoughts were provoked and then the episode itself addressed some of the thoughts that were naturally provoked by you know by the story right so i appreciate that
1: i get yeah i get that um i agree the writing's good um I'm thinking, uh, I'm debating how much I find the jump cuts of the story in the first half to hold it back. It's, it's between a three and a four for me. It's not de- maybe closer to a four. Um, uh, but yeah, like definitely above average, uh, above average enough to be a four. I'm not sure, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's an, and it's an interesting idea. And, uh, I'll say this: Maybe the fast uh, cutting through the stories prevented the inevitable comparisons because we got through them so quickly to their TNG. Uh, yeah, it prevented
0: it from being a retread. You know, So in fact, the end result was a completely new story idea. You know, like Star Trek has never done the afterlife sucking alien thing. You know, so that was something new. I mean, I think maybe the closest was, like, Red Jack in Wolf in the Fold, like, positing some sort of supernatural explanation uh, for various people's behavior historically, similar to positing an alien being responsible for near-death experiences. I suppose maybe uh, Sub Rosa has similar shades to it. Yeah. Um And I think I like this better than both of those episodes, writing-wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Acting's obviously uh, top-notch.
0: Yeah, it's very good. Um, I mean, it's mostly a Janeway vehicle, so uh, to some degree it lives or dies on her performance, and she rarely, if ever, disappoints. So, in fact, has she ever disappointed? I don't think she has yet I mean I feel like she's at a Patrick Stewart kind of level you know like I feel comfortable saying that now uh, and this is not to say anything bad about William Shatner but you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes William Shatner did not seem to be putting his all into it you know whereas Patrick Stewart and I think Kate Mulgrew You know, it's like they're super professional. You know, they will deliver uh, emotion, interiority, you know, real mental life in whatever story they're given, no matter how stupid. And this was not a stupid story. Um, So I was very impressed by her emoting. I was impressed by her, uh, you know, the, the sort of horror reactions
1: yeah i I remember Uh, thinking uh they never explained what the accident was in the episode but i recalled it from the book and the look on janeway's face telegraphed what i remembered from the book if that makes any sense
0: no I, i get what you're saying yeah i mean and you don't have to have read the book for it to be meaningful you know it's like in the same way that robert beltran uh Portrays in a few glances, in a few looks, uh, the depth of emotion he has for Janeway. Uh, you know, Kate Mulgrew does that. And so you don't have to have read Mosaic to get that this is like super deeply painful and meaningful for her, you know? Uh, so it, yeah. I mean, do I think the writing is on a level with. Um, you know, the inner light or something. No. Do I think the acting is on a level with the inner light? On Kate Mulgrew's part, yes, I do. Uh, It's an excellent performance uh, in the service of a script that's maybe not quite as good, but still, I mean, you can't, I don't know. I feel like Kate Mulgrew at this point, after three seasons or so, just can't be denied. You know, you cannot deny that she is an actor of, you know, the the utmost ability uh and that maybe voyager you know is being kept afloat to some degree uh, by her because you know a lot of the stories have been sort of middling you know mediocre to some some degree i don't think this one is but a lot of them have been uh but a couple of the character actors just you know whatever man you know you want to do average stories for the rest of the series as long as these three or four people are still you know working it like the rent is do tomorrow you know it's like I'll just keep watching
1: yeah uh, production values were kind of average for me I found the white light tunnel slash hell tunnel a little on the nose
0: um, well and it wasn't like a superb It wasn't evocative. I I think that's... Yeah. It's so tropey that... I mean, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, what could have been done? Like, could they have... In keeping with your idea of making this afterlife a little more appealing, maybe they could have shown us some of it. Yeah. uh, Which would involve some new set or something. Or I suppose you could somehow redress voyager like you know your afterlife will be like a superb beautiful version of voyager or something um but yeah you know i agree with that the shuttle and vidian effects were you know typical they were average they weren't the planet was
1: was pretty soundstagey
0: oh yeah planet was super soundstagey at at least though it was not uh super muddy and dark yeah in the way a few soundstage planets have been um ones that spring to mind are the one where Geordi is stuck with the Romulan yeah. well uh,
1: at least that one was supposed to be
0: yeah yeah or the one where um, you know Kira was caught in a rock <laughs> <laughs> if I never go to that cave in Deep Space Nine again it will be too soon so th- this was very stagey, but it, it was reasonably well lit you know But that's not much of a compliment. So, personally, I think this is a four. Um, I think the story is just strong enough and the acting is very strong to put this, you know, like one standard deviation up from the average, if you ask me. It's not two standard deviations, it's not, you know, uh, transcendently good. But I remember having I remember watching this during the run of the show and being like, oh yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah. Not just like not just like, no, that was fine. You know, whatever. That's not how I felt. That's not how I felt when I watched it originally, and it's still how I feel about it today, is that you know, it's like really solidly good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I, I would say this is a four. The the acting and the story idea. Uh, are definitely above average the story execution could use a little focusing or uh, fleshing out in a few places and the production values were were average but yeah i think in the balance this is a very good episode
0: what i mean what do you think is it possible to somehow tweak this framework of a story to make it a five yeah I, so. I
1: i would say for me um Maybe maybe just one less iteration through the um, uh, through the multiple deaths would leave a little more time in the story to really give Janeway an apparent choice, uh, because if, if I mean if nothing else, you know you always have in the back of your head, well the captain's not dead, obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, there's a sense of like like, like Picard in tapestry or um, trying to think if there's any other example. Um, well,
0: here's an example for you, is Generations. Oh, yeah, know.
1: yeah, when Picard leaves the Nexus. Like, there's something... It always
0: felt like a, a preordained thing. Yeah. You know, neither Kirk nor Picard. I mean, Kirk, a little bit, gave you the feeling that he wanted to stick with Antonia. Lame, should have been Carol Marcus, but yes. whatever. Yes. Um You know, but Picard, it was just like, here's some sort of BS fantasy. So it, it doesn't make it heroic for him to surmount what seems like just a fakey, you know, sort of fantasy. Right. So I I get what you're saying. Like it, it would be more heroic for Janeway to overcome what is a seem at least seems like a real, or or
1: maybe, maybe if we had learned something about her, some, something she had not shared with the crew via this process, like she has undersold the guilt she feels for what's for them being in the Delta quadrant. Like she feels it much more acutely than she has let on, or she, is more acutely grieving the losses of the crew that have died to this. But like, like just something personal that this experience would sort of naturally, uh, bring to the surface could have really I won- kicked this into a higher gear.
0: I could see that. I-, I wonder if maybe a flashback of Janeway's life, you know, such as the thing that killed her father yeah. or, you know, something, you know, something similar, some, Deeper continuity building thing uh, and there have been other episodes that have done this not Voyager episodes but other you know great episodes that have, have done things like that um, you know well I suppose it's not a great episode but it saved it from being a bad episode um, One Moon Circles what is it uh, uh, Night Terrors Night Terrors yeah I mean The fact that Night Terrors gave us the Picard flashback is what saves it from being just irredeemable, right? And had they done that for all the all the characters? I know
1: you're talking about um, violations.
0: Oh yeah, violations. I agree. Yeah, you're right. Um, So giving us so they gave us information about Janeway and they showed us her father, but if they had like given us a, a flashback to her life prior to voyager yeah and it had been like you say something that illuminates an important aspect of her character that that might have pushed it up in my estimation um and you're right because of the way they did the, the sort of death scenes that took up i mean doing so many of them even if they were quick it adds up and so it takes up a fair amount of the episode yeah, you know, a good first half or so. Yeah, it's taken up by that.
1: But yeah, in the end, four. It's very good. So nothing to sneeze at. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, the season has been, you know, pretty steady-state, solid. You know, middling sort of shows. There have been a few, a few stinkers, but for the most part, they've avoided horrible the thaw or threshold level uh disasters um favorite sun is not going to be pretty um, rise i but, don't think
1: is going to be my favorite um the one with the elevator
0: yeah i don't hate you know this is the thing like i hated the thaw and i love to hate threshold I feel like season three has not had a lot of those like truly awful yeah. or you know so bad it's good you know it's, code it's, of honor kind of. It, it's not the episodes
1: know, I show friends to be like well now we're going to laugh at the thing I love because we're self-aware enough to do that. That's not the yeah.
0: Answer. It's like it's it's just sort of like baseline, competent, solid uh, but uninspired Star Trek to some degree you know and to their credit, they do shake it up. By the end of this season, they shake up something that they probably could have done four more seasons of in the same vein, and it wouldn't have been a disaster. You know, uh, it's a decent enough show, right? And they've they've got good actors to work with, uh, but they do shake it up. So it, it's it's interesting to see the evolution of this show in comparison to DS9. I feel like DS9 they couldn't find their voice and that they really floundered Uh, and then they found it and it was kick-ass here. It's like there's a very solid rut that they're in, you know, and it's the, the basic TOS TNG format rut, you know, it's like alien of the week, uh, you know, exploration, you know, test some values, you know, everybody everything works out at the end that kind of thing right yeah uh and they're good at it but it's not like superb and i think it's a credit to the star trek production company you know the the group of people who steward it and care it care about it that that's not enough for them at least at this point once we get to enterprise that you know we'll talk about that when we get there uh But do you know what I'm saying? It's like DS9 wasn't working and they fixed it. Voyager was just kind of, eh. And they're like, no, that's not good enough. We need to make it better. And I think seasons four through seven are better. You know, there are things that we can certainly critique, but I think that that it's, it's better overall. Like the show is given more life by the changes they make, uh, in seasons four through seven. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, an episode like this, an episode like uh, Future's End, you know, these are episodes that are better than average versions of the kind of thing that they're stuck doing right now, you know, but they're not transcendently good. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I like this episode a lot. I mean, I don't know. Kevin, are you... Am I rubbing off on you? Am I Am I starting to, to get you to love these characters? Uh, no, yeah.
1: I, 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 I like Janeway. I like uh, Torres. I like the Doctor. I will eventually come to like Seven and the actress who portrays her. I just think... Um, we were talking about this before we started the podcast. A lot of the episodes um, this season have gotten threes out of us despite having a two of a story. It's the... Um, Technical execution or the actor, particularly Mulgrew, Picardo Ricardo, or Dawson, uh, who really keep us from being able, with a straight face, to give it a two. That goodwill's going to run out for me at some point. Where it's at some point, you, you can't just expect uh, this uh, small group of very, very good actors to keep carrying um, stories that feel like warmed over TNG. And again, this is like the sort of grand analysis of Star Trek as a franchise, making these people work 15 years straight um, on a show was wrong. That was just wrong. You should have let them all take the <laughs> the year off and recharge their batteries and come up with some new ideas. Because at some yeah, at some point I'm going to start... I'm going to stop caring that Kate Mulgrew is a good enough actress to carry an okay story. I'm going to start wanting interesting stories and i think they they they, they mine a lot of space they they do that a lot with seven she's a great character very interesting but in the end i still it, it's hard for me not to see voyagers missed opportunities whenever i watch
0: the show well i i agree with that Hmm. well to be continued i mean yeah. we have at, at our current rate, this analysis will take several more years to complete. Um, so we'll, we'll be in our 40s discussing this. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I, I figure once, you're, once your children aren't toddlers and hopefully – I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll solve uh, domestic violence as a problem and my job will lighten up. But I um, imagine your kids will stop being toddlers first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we can get back
0: probably true i I, yeah i think (laughs) that's
1: a safer bet maybe we can get back to three episodes a week um all right well that's an eight for uh coda uh it's a it's a good jerry taylor outing uh with good jerry taylor writing and good jerry taylor characters and I, i certainly enjoy all of those things
0: yeah, I mean, that that pretty much is the, the long and the short of it. Jerry Taylor is very good at creating characters. She's very good at writing character scenes. But I think it's fair to say she's very good at constructing a plot that goes from point A to point B without major holes in it, you know, uh, as opposed to, say, Brandon Braga, who is very good at pushing characters and raising stakes for them, but sometimes, you know... Doesn't sort of show his work, right? And doesn't (laughs) doesn't fill in all the gaps in the logic, Um, and maybe does higher concept stuff as a result. Uh, But this is pretty high concept, you know, Hmm. sort of afterlife faking alien thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the more Jerry Taylor, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think Voyager is to some degree her baby, and when she is given. Uh, stewardship of the baby, uh, it turns out better. Um, So, all right. Yeah, Coda. Great example of Jerry Taylor's work. Congratulations, Jerry Taylor. We love you.
1: Have a good night, everyone.
0: Yep.